Welcome to the National Community Church Podcast. We're thrilled to be able to share this weekend message with you from Dr. Dick Foe. If you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes or go to theaterchurch.com. Hello. There you are. It's great to be back at National Community Church. I was telling Pastor Mark that last week I finished my 75th trip around the sun and, and heading into the last quarter. Now, and I'm heading into the last quarter, and, and I've been watching March Madness. Crazy stuff happens in the last quarter, so I'm looking forward to that. So, so I have a word for you tonight. Watch out. Heads down. Here it comes. Warnings are interesting things. This is week seven of the study in this little booklet. By the way, if you've not been reading the, the uh, verses or the passages as we go along, I encourage you to do that. I traveled the country. I don't know that I've ever been in a congregation that invested as much in what I would call R&D, research and development, in terms of giving materials and guidance to folks. And I think we should hear it for the creative team that put this together. Could you do that? What would life be without warnings? I mean, follow this sequence. Don't overheat. Stay hydrated. I'm from Colorado. Use sunblock. Wear a safety helmet. Protective eyewear. You get warnings with sounds, sirens, and ambulance, and police, and fire, and tornado warnings. And of course, my favorite, if you, if you keep doing that, your face is going to stay like that. You know, how many heard something like that when you were a kid? No, your parents were more kind. They were kind of... But sometimes, sometimes you can... You get visual warnings, like these signs. 30 miles an hour, is that what it says? No trucks over 45 feet. Or a crosswalk, watch out, here come some people, keep your heads up, look at that. Some, some warnings are life and death. You know you have those carbon monoxide things that you put in your houses. When, when we lived in Falls Church a few years back, I happened to be in a, a place like Home Depot. I don't know if that was it or not. But just on the way out, they had some of those carbon monoxide things. And we lived in a cottage that was built in 1936. We just had some work done on our furnace. And I just grabbed a couple of those on the way out. At that time, we had our son and his wife uh, living in the basement of our house. We were upstairs. We had some other folks with us. And so we just plugged one of those in. That was on a, on a Thursday on Friday, I left to fly someplace to go and, uh, and speak. And on Friday night at 2 in the morning, the carbon monoxide warning went off. And I looked back on that moment and said, what was it that inspired me to, to grab a carbon monoxide? Because what had happened when they worked on the furnace, they hadn't connected one of the pipes, the venting pipe, exactly right. And had we not had that warning, our children wouldn't be here. Those two children wouldn't be here. Now, that's a sort of a dire thing. Some, some warnings just sound like good advice. In 1972, I took our kids for a vacation, our family for a vacation, to Cape Hatteras, North Carolina. Any, any of you folks out there know where Cape Hatteras, North Carolina is, wherever you are in those video venues? And they have folks out there. That was like the first colony, Roanoke Island, you know, the lost colony. And they, they have this marvelous accent that's somewhere between the East End of London and Andy Griffith. It's just somewhere in there. And I, and I met a fisherman. 
I'm in my 20s. I meet this fellow, and Charles Daniels, who's the, like the last long net fi fisherman in Pemlico Sound down there, I, I meet him on Hatteras Pier. And now he's in his late 80s, and, and he called the other night and left a message. I wasn't there. But, but in his message, there was a kind of a, a warning. It was sort of on the scale of encouragement to warning. It was somewhere out there in the middle. But I, I just thought I'd like you to hear my friend Charles Daniels just for a moment or two here. You're going to hear it. I ain't got no eggs for pain. <laughs> I'm just wore out, I guess, at 88 year old. Two more months, I'll be 89. So, but I ain't hurting nowhere. I've just got everything wore out, but I'm doing fine. I miss Molly. My Lord, take care of Ruth, because you'll never know how bad you miss her when she's gone. I didn't know. When that preacher said you can have her until death do you part, I weren't thinking about death when you're 20 year old. <laughs> but now I see what he means, my Lord. So good to, good to hear your voice in here, and I'll check up with you again later. Nothing urgent. I think I might live to be a hundred. Well, feel so ain't no hurry. I'll get with you later. God bless you. <laughs> His wife Molly went to be with the Lord three years ago next month, and so he's saying, "Take care of Ruth." What is it about warnings in life? What do they do for us? Well, they're for safety, they're for productivity, they're for life itself. When you go back to the start of this book, when you go back to Scripture, the Garden of Eden, there was this piece where it said, you know, if you do this and this and this, things will be great. If you do this, things won't be great. It was a kind of warning. When Yahweh delivered Israel from bondage out of the hands of the Egyptians, he said, I'm going to come through. The death angel is going to come. Put blood over the door. I'm giving you a warning. Put blood over the doorposts so your houses will be passed over. Therefore, you get Passover. When Israel wanted a king, which we heard about last week, you know, they go to Samuel and, uh, and they say, we want to be like those other nations. We want a king. And God says to, to Samuel, tell them, this, tell them what kings do. Kings will take your money. Kings will take your land. Kings will take your kids. Tell them what he warned them what would happen if that occurred. And last week, Heather, in speaking to us, told us how the kingdom works. She said the kingdom works when the leaders practice the correct how of leadership. Humility, obedience, worship. That's what God had put in play and in place. He wanted leaders who would practice humility, who would practice obedience, and, and worship him. When they didn't do the how, the kingdoms started sliding toward oblivion. And we saw, heard last week from Heather how the kingdoms then divided, the kingdom of Israel divided into two parts. And it wasn't too many years, relatively speaking, before both sections got taken into captivity. Poor memory, if you will, led them to wandering, which triggered a spiral toward death. So last week we had the kingdom of king and kings. This week we have prophets and their warnings. God had given the nation of Israel priests. Those were the people who spoke to God for the people, if you will. He also embedded, like a news person would be embedded in a military unit, he embedded prophets in the culture who were, who were spokespersons from God to the people. 
And when we talk about prophets, the closest idea you have for a prophet and what he or she does is that they are an authorized spokesman for the Almighty. A true prophet is one who speaks for God to man. And it was at the end of Moses' life that they created the office of the prophet. Because you have, you have prophetic words, you have warnings, you have encouragements, you have challenges that come from folks who have a prophetic kind of ministry. But these were actually offices of the prophet. The primary duty was to speak God's message to God's people in the historical context of that moment this divinely chosen spokesperson. And sometimes it was oral, sometimes it was visual, and sometimes it was written. When you look at the prophets in Scripture, in the Old Testament, you have what are called major prophets and minor prophets. The major prophets, big dogs, I don't know what you would call them. You, you have Isaiah, you have Jeremiah, you have Ezekiel, you have Daniel. And when you read those books, sometimes you're saying, what is that? Well, a lot of times you're saying, what does that mean? What, how did you figure that? The, these, were, these were folks who, who were major in the context of what God was doing. But you have then 12 minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. I have a friend who's... Uh, was a New Testament scholar. His name was Dr. Gordon Fee. And one time in a college setting, he said, why don't we all just cut the book of Habakkuk out of the Bible? And everybody's going, whoa, dude, that's, you know, that's sacrilege. He said, well, let me put it another way. When was the last time, like, you read Habakkuk? You know, let's go with that and see how that works. Because it's the same difference. If you don't read it, it doesn't make any difference if it's there. But you have these, you have these people, men, few women, but you, you have these people in Scripture, and they are characterized by this phrase, and the word of the Lord came to Amos, or Elisha, or Hosea, or Jeremiah, and the word of the Lord came. These people were first preachers who expounded and interpreted the Mosaic law. This is the covenant back here. This is, this is the law of God. This is how life works. If you follow these things, your life will work. Secondly, they were predictors, but when we think of prophets, we think, well, they'll foretell the future. There's not very much of that, really. There's some, but relative to this foretelling, if you will, this, this expounding on the Mosaic Law and calling them back, it wasn't much of that. But finally, they functioned as watchmen. These are people like Ezekiel, who warned against political and military alliances with foreign powers, the temptation to idolatry, Canaanite cultic worship, all these kinds of things that muddied the waters. There were differences in personalities. When you read the book of Amos, Amos was like a farmer from the south part of the land. He comes up and he starts calling down judgment on the nations around Israel. And he says, Edom, this is on your head. And Ammon, this is on you. And he goes around and you can almost hear the people in Israel saying, go get him. And then he says, Israel, it's on you. And they say, whoa, whoa, you know, we don't want any. I don't mind if you judge them, but don't judge me. Don't be saying bad stuff to me. Isaiah is eloquent. He's sophisticated, if you will. Daniel, we know about Daniel in the lion. You know, he's relational. He's got these buddies. He's, he's a tough guy. He's in the lion's den. Jeremiah, when God comes to him with the word of the Lord, he's more like I am in the sense that I'm insecure. He comes and I, he says, I'm a kid. I, no, I'm a child. I can't, I can't do this. So you have lots of different kinds of personalities. 
the quintessential prophet in the Old Testament is Elijah. Pastor Mark, two weeks ago, talked about Elijah on Mount Carmel. He talked about it in his sports language because he's a, he's a basketball guy and he's a football guy and all that, but he's a guy. And, and, you, <laughs> and you just, he said he, he, gave, he gave the prophets of Asherah and the other prophets, <coughs> excuse me, home court advantage. He went to their place. I love that line. And years ago, when I was in my 20s, which was years ago, uh, I actually was probably 19 years old. I went to a, a Bible college in California. It wasn't a large school, just several hundred. And they had a dean of women who had been married to a Scot. Her name was Mom Swanson. And the dean of women was sort of to guide the young women. And she, she, was, she was sort of a, a cross between Betty Crocker, Mother Teresa, and the CIA. That was pretty much who she was. But she had these records. She had, for those of you who are older, you remember these things called records. And they were 33 and a third LP records, about that big. Looked like huge pie plates. And that's how you got your, your music and stuff. But she had records of a preacher from this town in the 1940s. His name was Peter Marshall. Peter Marshall was pastor of New York Avenue Presbyterian Church, not far from here back in the mid-40s, and was also chaplain of the Senate when they didn't have a full-time chaplain. He was such a good preacher that they put loudspeakers outside the church on New York Avenue, and people would stand out there in the rain sometimes with umbrellas listening to him preach. And one of my favorite messages was him preaching a message called The Trial by Fire, which was the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. And he had a Scottish burr. You know, he, he had this accent and he was, he was tremendous. He would tell what he called biblical newsreels. And he's telling the story. And he kept emphasizing this phrase. O Israel, how long will you, will you halt between two opinions? If Jehovah be God, then follow him. But if Baal be God, then follow him. Now he's got senators and congressmen, all kinds of people. He comes to the end of his message, and I'll never forget it because I listened to it over and over again. He said, America, how long will you halt between two opinions? If Jehovah be God, then follow him. But if Baal be God, then follow him and go to hell. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're talking Presbyterian here. You can, you can hear on the tape. They're taping it downstairs. You can hear people going, <coughs> You know, because they weren't used to that. But that's who Elijah was. Elijah was a trash talker on Mount Carmel. He, you know, he was taunting these people as they were trying to get fire from heaven. So when you read this journal, long story short, there's a phrase in there in the section on the warning that says this, prophetic messages express judgment and grace, future hope and present warning, wrath and mercy. Let me say it again, judgment and grace, future hope and present warning, wrath and mercy. It sounds like parenting. Can I say that again? It sounds like parenting. You know, you're, you're saying, here's what you need to do to get it right. Well, you didn't do it. Let's try it again. Let's, and, and, you know, you can run away, but we'll hunt you down. You can only go to the end of the block, you know, and stuff like that. In the early part of the story, but here, the consequences are life and death. Here, whole nations are sliding. 
In the early part of the story, we have the law given by God to Moses, and the prophets essentially come along later to say, so, how's it going with the law? Have you, have you remembered it? Are you, are you thinking about what it means to honor your parents or to set aside a day for God? Or have you, have you thought about not coveting your neighbor's stuff? How's that part going? How's your memory? How are your practices? That's what the prophets did. Later on in Jesus' life, he said, this is the great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on this. Whether it's the written word or the spoken word, everything hangs on this. Loving God and loving your neighbor. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when you get to the Gospels, you have two people show up there when you read that story. One is Moses, who's the law, and the other, who is a, who's Elijah. This idea captures this thought. If I have points tonight, particular points, this is one of them. Maybe this is the biggest one. Warnings are good. Warnings are the preemptive strikes of a loving God. Biblical warnings. The people who warn you are the people who care about you. If, if the person doesn't care, they'll just let you go off the cliff. They'll just let you go the wrong way on a one-way street. They don't care. Your problem, not theirs. But here is this God who creates us and hunts us down, and his love for us is this consuming thing. Lamentations 3.22 says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassion never fails. And warnings permeate the long story. They permeate the long story. It's not just this section of the Old Testament, but looking at the Old Testament, looking at the kings and the prophets, we have a little chart that we're just putting up here just to show how this overlaps. So you have the northern kings and you have the northern prophets. You have the southern kings and the southern prophets. And this extends over a period of about 500 years. So for decades and decades, centuries and centuries, God goes out of his way to call us back, to remember him, to remember his things. And then, as you'll see next week, there's a period of time where there is no prophetic voice for 400 years. And this idea... This idea of warning continues all the way through Scripture from the start to the end because the only people who warn you are the people who love you. That's how it is. And this loving God gives us markers, gives us place to hang, hang our hats, if you will, by giving us warnings. So you get to Jesus in John 16, and it says this. This is just before he goes to the cross. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God. He's talking to his disciples. They'll do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I've told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. Paul gives warnings to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have wandered from the faith. I tend to be a wanderer. My mind wanders. If I follow my wandering mind, I end up in places I don't need to be. 
don't want to be, and it's just how it is. And the warnings call us back from our wandering. When somebody shows up and warns us and it's strong and says, if you do, my tendency, if I, because I'm selfish, you know, I want to get rid of them. Selfishness in a nation or in a person doesn't want to be thwarted. That's what makes little kids angry. They want to do what they want to do, and you say no, and they get angry because they've been thwarted. Listen to how Jesus speaks of the prophets in Matthew 23. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you. How often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. So the people that God created for himself are on the run. They wanted to be like their neighbors. When you want to be like other people, you go where they go, you listen to what they listen to, you watch what they watch, you do what they do, and pretty soon you start thinking like they think. And God wants us to think like he thinks. That's how it works. When I do that, when I get out there wandering, I become distracted, disoriented, disconnected, disenfranchised, dysfunctional, diseased, disabled. I, I generally am dissed. That's just how that, that's how that works. And the prophet stands often at his peril to say, you've done this and this and this, so this will happen. Or if you keep going that way, this will happen. Because, both, you've forgotten God, you no longer know who you are. When I don't remember him, I forget who I am. When I lose sight of him, we lose, I lose my way. And the prophet comes and says, I'm here to speak on God's behalf and call you to account, to call you back, to call you home. Biblical warnings are a call to remember. They're saying, remember the God who created, not just what he said, but who he is. That's the call for a biblical warning. When you remember, you'll be okay. Remembering will turn you back. Listen to how it reads in Ezekiel, because he says, even when you wander off, this is what I'm telling you. I'm going to hunt you down, and I'm going to bring you back. Whoever's left after all the wandering, whatever is left, I'm going to come. Listen to how it reads in Ezekiel, the 36th chapter. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It's not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, my holy name which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. Verse 24, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries, bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities, from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. In the midst of the warnings, He's giving promises at the same time. It's this interesting mixed bag. I, uh, I was taking pictures of various warning signs. You saw a few of them. And there's this one that I had to get because I drove past this fire truck sometime back and I said, what in the world? Why does it say that on the back of the fire truck? And what it says is stay, keep back 343 feet. I'm going how do you do that? Because you got to like get within 20 feet to read that sign. That's for starters. <laughs> but how do you know if it's 343? Like, is that a city block, which is averages 300 square feet or feet and, and you add 40? How do you do? So I went to the fire station and said, excuse me. This was just like four days ago. I walked in and I said, 
I said, could I could take a picture of the back of your truck because you got that funny sign? And they said, absolutely. I said, who in the world came up with that? And they said, um, it's a warning to stay back, clearly. But the other piece of it is that we needed to remember that on 9-11, 343 firefighters died. And that's why we put that on the back of the truck. And here is the God who comes along and says, I'm warning you because you need to remember who I am and what I've done. That a warning is a remembrance of the character and the sacrifice of the Most High God. As we come to a close this weekend, I, uh, I'm going to do something that I've wanted to do for a long time. <laughs> I've been chicken, okay? No, I'm not going to dance. I'm, I, I'm <laughs> but about almost 45 years ago, there was a rock band in this country that was the most popular band at the time. And one of the guys had a friend who wandered off and he started to write a song about him. It took him some years and he collaborated with another guy. And uh, the song is a song calling somebody back who has wandered off. And those of you who are a bit older, you'll remember this band and you'll remember this song. It's a song by the Eagles and it's called Desperado. Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? Come down from your fences, open the gate. It may be raining, but there's a rainbow above you. You better let somebody love you. Better let somebody love you before it's too late. Somebody with a capital S, if you will. Throughout those hundreds of years, the prophet's voice is heard over the clash of armies, over the wails of captives, the cries of orphan children. Remember the God who created you. Turn back to the God who calls you by name. The message of the prophets, to speak for the God Almighty. He created you, designed you, called you, gifted you, chased you, longs for you. The one who warns you is the one who loves you. The one who warns you is the one who cares. The one who warns you is the most profound gift you can ever have. Let me close with the words of the prophet Isaiah. Who is this God? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary in his understanding. No one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me? As I prepared these thoughts and prayed about this, I had this sense that this weekend I was going to be talking to somebody 
maybe several somebodies who are in a wandering place. You used to be here and now you're there. And I think the Lord is saying, not just both saying, I think the Lord is saying from his word to your hearts, I know your name, I know where you are, I keep calling to you, come back, come over here, stand here, let this somebody love you before it's too late. Father, thank you for your grace expressed in Jesus. Thank you for the long stretch of time in which you have spoken to your people over and over and over again. And we pray that this weekend that you will once again refresh our hearts by helping us reflect on the prophetic word from your word that says, come to me, let me hold you, let me provide you stability, let me be in you in this time and place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.